Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So many things are changing so quickly for all of us. And uh, one of the things that changed in the last few years has been the number one increased genre of movies. So there's a new genre of movies that makes more movies than any other genre ever. And it's Hallmark Christmas movies. (laughs) So uh, those of you who don't know them, let me help you. Uh, If you're anything like me and you've maybe only seen two of them, you might have got confused, like you were visiting your mom like I was, and you were roped into watching a few. Uh, it's confusing because it's the same actors in every one, right? They have about a group of 20 B-list actors, and then they just cycle them through. So the guy who owned the tree farm in one is now the big shot attorney from New York in the other. So it can be confusing to keep the, the narrative straight. But this is kind of how it works on most, Chris, most of these Hallmark Christmas movies is, there's some sort of small town and something's wrong happened, okay? Maybe the barn doesn't have electricity this year, or we don't have money for a tree, or something like this. And then someone who graduated high school from this town, hasn't been back since, is now a big shot in a big town, comes back to visit Ma and Pa in the small town. And while they're there, they bump into the cute guy or girl in the tree, tree farm, and they say, oh, how have you been? And then before you know it, and we don't ever focus on this part, they leave their fiancé in the big city and move back home and run the local pub. Something like that. And then we say Merry Christmas. It's the basic gist of Hallmark movies, okay? And what's important to understand is all of us kind of roll our eyes, or oh my gosh, Hallmark movies. It's the number one genre of movies right now. Number one. Which means there's something about the human heart in these movies that we can't dismiss unless we're also going to ignore the human heart. The authentic Catholic Church does not, is not countercultural. We discern culture. It's a very different move. Countercultural would say, well, it's on Hallmark, it's bad. Discerning culture says, well, what's going on here? What can we celebrate? And then what do we need to kind of tweak so we can understand the fullness of life? What's interesting is, is all these movies are love stories. And love and Christmas seem to always go together. Ask any priest. We get more phone calls in January about people who just got engaged at Christmas time and want to plan their wedding than almost any other month of the year. Love, romance, union. It seems to be out there at the Christmas season. And it's not crazy of people. Because in the Bible, our first reading today, it says simply, I will marry you. I will espouse you to myself. So right there in the Bible, we see this language of union, love, marriage. And this is because every human heart longs for love. No one wakes up and says, I can't wait to be ignored, dismissed, or mocked. Everyone wants to wake up and say, I'm seen and cherished that day. Someone loves me. Deep within our hearts is a longing, not just for relationship, but union. Where someone totally is devoted to me, and I surrender myself total in love to someone else. 
the Hallmark movies are capturing this activity, but we who listen to the Bible, we sometimes forget that the love story came from the Bible. So why at Christmas time does this come up? Well, how did this happen? It's because in the little baby Jesus, we have the most perfect union ever. It's a marriage at the heart of Christmas between divinity and humanity. Jesus is fully God and fully human. And in him, they come together. And why is this good news? Why is this better news than a hallmark? It's not just some religious answer. It's better because God is infinite life, infinite love. And we never say, I can't wait to be in love for an hour. I can't wait to be in love for a week. We want an endless, vibrant love to encompass us. That longing was put there by God because he's the infinite one. And at Christmas, he steps down into this world and takes on flesh to show us that the two, humanity and divinity, belong together in intimate love. Now here's the purification part. Most people, if they're home for the first time to visit the soon-to-be or upcoming in-laws, you don't normally pack your like workout clothes or your like junky clothes that you might paint a house in. You're packing your best outfits, all right? When you go on a date, you try to look your best. Why? Well, because we want to tell the in-laws that, hey, your future son-in-law or daughter-in-law, hey, I'm a catch. Your son or daughter made a good choice. Look at me, all right? Not a bad idea. However, God is crazy. The parts of you and me that he loves are not the astonishing parts. It's the parts that he says in that first reading, are forsaken and desolate. No longer, he says, will you be called forsaken or your land desolate, for your land will be espoused to me and you will be called my delight. What is forsakenness? Well, perhaps this year, among family or friends or co-workers, you felt ignored, unheard, rejected, dismissed, mocked, you felt forsaken. Right there in that place, that's where Jesus wants union. That's where he wants to be close to you. Or maybe desolate. Maybe you've had shattered hopes and dreams, one after the other over the past year. Maybe your hope for a perfect Christmas, or the way the Christmas is going to be this year and not next year, once again fell, once again fell. And all that pain, all that disappointment, that's a desolate place in you. That's where Jesus wants to be. This forsaken and desolate place we have in every manger scene. It actually is the manger. Where does infinite love show up in this world? In these broken, messy places. To condemn them? No, not our God. To love them. To be with us there. To say, I am Emmanuel, God with us, even there. And when we begin to allow him to enter into those places, then a hope is born that I can be loved in good times and in bad. I can have hope because a gracious God is with me even in the hardest times and the best of times. Christmas is not the celebration of an idea. It's not the celebration of something perfect. It's not a Christmas card. The celebration of Christmas is that the longings of our heart for life, love, joy, goodness, forgiveness, 
mercy, healing. They're not just wishful dreams, but they're the very catalyst that moves us to encounter God, not up there, but a God who bends down and says, that forsaken place, I love you right there. So on behalf of a God of mercy, may this Christmas be one of a little Christ child crawling into your lap to show you once again, he just wants to be close. And from that place, from that relationship, all good things come. Merry Christmas.